Welcome back to Jeff Diamond's Vikings and NFL Insider. Jeff, of course, the former Vikings general manager, former president of the Tennessee Titans, uh, ran a couple of very good teams there in the late 90s, early 2000s. And he also was present when Randy Moss was drafted. Uh, this is the, this week is the 25th anniversary of the Randy Moss draft. Of course, we have current Vikings draft speculation coming up, and there's always intrigue around Kirk Cousins especially now that Jalen Hurts has gotten his extension and there's a room, there are rumors out there that the Vikings have had conversations about Trey Lance. So there's a lot to get to here, including the status of Zadarius Smith and Dalvin Cook. Uh, once again, this is part of talknorth.com. Best way to listen to the show, subscribe to your favorite podcast app. It is free. It's easy. If you like this show, also check out the Viking Update show. Thanks to our producer, Brandon Morton, and our longtime sponsor, White Bear Lake Superstore, whitebearlakesuperstore.com. Where do you want to start today, Jeff? Well, I guess we can start with supposedly it's spring, which means <laughs> not necessarily here in Minnesota, almost, but it means that the offseason programs have started for NFL teams, and including the Vikings. And let's just call it minor news at this point that Dalvin Cook and Zadarius Smith are not in attendance. I'm not sure if Justin Jefferson is there. We have not heard anything on him at this point, but it is a voluntary period, as we know. But in the case of Cook and Zadaria Smith, I, I think the Vikings are, are probably happy that they're not in the building right now because I think they're trying to trade these guys before the draft, pick up more draft picks. Right now, the Vikings have only five picks in the draft for, for Quasi Adolfo Menza, GM, and Kevin O'Connell, the coach. A little bit unusual compared to the Spielman years, as we recall, where, where Rick loved to stockpile the draft picks and have 10 or 12 draft picks. The Vikings only have five picks this year coming up in a, a week from, we're talking on Thursday, a week from, t- from tonight will be the first round of the draft where the Vikings are picking 23rd. Then they have no picks until pick number 87 in the third round. That's that's a long fall. And I, I'm sure they would love to pick up maybe an extra third or as high as a second for Dalvin Cook. I don't think they're going to get a second considering how running backs have been devalued, but I think they'd love to get maybe a third for him at this point in his career and, and move on with Madison and Kane Wangwu and Chai Chandler. Go with those three guys. Pick up anywhere from 6 to $8 million in cap room with Dalvin. And I think that that's an important factor, too, going forward because the Vikings are, are so tight against the cap. And it's just a, a weird, as we've talked often, the whole running back market is so devalued these days. Very difficult. I think there are only maybe two guys in the league now that are making over $10 million a year. One of them, Christian McCaffrey, and he'll probably be restructured at some point and even Miles Sanders, a Pro Bowl back last year, could only get 6.35 a year in free agency. So Dalvin, with his 14.1 million dollar cap number and 11 million dollars in in base salary and roster and workout money, it's going to be tough for him to get that anywhere. But I think that he would listen if 
a team was interested in trading with the Vikings before the draft or during the draft, such as Miami, where he's from. And I think that could be a very possible target for him. And maybe he would take a little bit of a reduction to, to go stay home and play. We'll see. Zadarius Smith, I think, is a little more complicated from the standpoint of he's an edge rusher. Edge rushers get paid, but he's got injury history, including last year when he had the knee problem. So these are both situations to follow. And, of course, we'll be following as we get into the draft what's going to happen with the Vikings at quarterback, with Cousins. Would they take a, a run at one of these top quarterbacks if they fall to them in the first round? The, the guy that some people are projecting is Hendon Hooker from Tennessee. That, that could be a really interesting pick, and, and that will signal a lot about Kirk's future here in Minnesota. Of course, Hooker's the guy coming off the ACL injury at Tennessee. He would be kind of a redshirt guy this year and then theoretically move into the starting spot next year. And a lot of people very high on him. I've watched him play. Very impressive player. And we've talked often about Cousins, and I still think he's a very good quarterback. But as you mentioned, the Vikings like him, but do they love him? <laughs> well, and, you know, it's interesting because I, I – how do I phrase this? Um, my educated guess based on what I've heard from people I trust lately. Let's put it that way. So this isn't my reporting. This is uh, more stuff I've heard from people I do trust I don't think they would spend a first-round draft pick on Hooker. Uh, I don't think they like Levis, and I don't like Levis. And we think that Stroud and Young are going to go very high. So I think the intriguing thing about having the 23rd pick in this draft, if they're willing to go get a quarterback, and I think they are, would be what happens if Richardson slides? Do they trade up to get him? Uh, I think they like him. Do they like him enough to give up assets to go get him if he starts sliding? Uh, and if he doesn't, do they have anybody they might take like in the third round? Uh, you know, because I don't, I don't think they have a first round grade on hooker. So what happens if he slides to later rounds? So, and as you said, I think all the, the probably the most, there are a lot of things in play here, right? We don't know what's going to happen with Cook. We don't know what's going to happen with Zedarius Smith. We don't expect him to be with the team next year. There's still some mystery. Justin Jefferson hasn't gotten his deal done yet. There's a lot of intrigue around the team. I think what we know by the way they've handled Kirk Cousins is they like him. They don't love him. They are not committing with him to him past next year. And as we see around the NFL, if you like your quarterback, you spend a lot of money on a lot of years for him. Yeah, that's for sure. We we just saw that with Jalen Hurst in Philadelphia, yep. who's had really one big season there, and it was a it was a giant season, of, of course, with a Super Bowl team, Pro Bowl, second in the MVP validing, and he played great. But to to pay Jalen Hurts fifty one million dollars a year, and make him the highest paid quarterback in the league, one hundred seventy nine of it guaranteed out of two fifty five. That was slightly surprising. I'm not saying it was real surprising. And and he may be surpassed real quickly by, by Joe Burrow, and I expect him to be, because it's always the latest and greatest who gets the biggest deal. And next up are Burrow and Justin Herbert. Those guys both will be in that $50 million a year range. So it's interesting, but I think the, the difficulty for the Vikings vis-a-vis -vis Cousins and a guy like Hertz is at Cousins' camp, 
and his agent and he say, hey, this guy has had one big year. Yeah, it's been a big year. I've been a full-time Pro Bowl quarterback. I'm making 35 a year. This guy's making over 50 a year. Daniel Jones is making 40, and he's had one playoff year, and he hasn't been a Pro Bowl guy yet. So the market for Cousins, theoretically, is probably somewhere in that 40 to 42 range in today's quarterback market. And as you said, I'm not sure the Vikings are, are ready to go that high on him. And so it does set up some interesting intrigue. Anthony Richardson is a little bit of a scary guy to me, only because kind of reminds me of Mitch Trubisky a little bit. He He's only been a one-year starter at Florida. He completed about 52% of his passes. Yeah, he's a great athlete. Yeah, he can run. He can throw. He's big. But he's going to take some grooming. And O'Connell, I'm sure, has plenty of confidence he can do it. But there would be some growing pains with Anthony Richardson. He He's a little scary compared to Bryce Young and C.J. Stroud. And then Hendon Hooker, as I said, I still think he's a good player. Whether he's worthy of number 23 or not is debatable. But I think someone's going to take him in the first round. And then you look at the Vikings' draft needs, and clearly cornerback is, is number one on that list. And then followed perhaps by defensive tackle. They still need another wide receiver. Probably need to draft maybe two corners if they can get some extra picks. And then that quarterback spot. So there aren't a lot of holes on this roster, but they, they do need some help at corner still. So it's going to be fascinating next week to see how it unfolds. It always is in the draft. We know that. But this whole quarterback situation is just adding to the intrigue. Yes. And I, and as you said, I, I think Richardson is a risk. I don't think there's any doubt about it. Uh, when you take a college quarterback who's not been that accurate or that efficient, uh, you are, man, you are placing a lot of hope and faith in your coaches and in his ability to develop. Uh, accuracy tends to be something that translates from level to level. If you're not accurate, Boy, it's hard to hard to spend a uh, it's hard to trade up to get a guy who's going to have to go kind of undergo uh, that much of a transformation. But he is also a great athlete. Maybe maybe he becomes the next Jalen Hurts, who, who's better as a pro than he was in college. And that that could well be. And and so we'll see. Although Jalen Hurts is pretty good at Oklahoma, he was really good. He was really good in college. You're right. Even course, early at Alabama, so he had a little more production. Yes, than Richardson. But we will see. It's going to be, as, as I said, really interesting to see how this all unfolds come, come draft night. And perhaps Richardson, he, maybe he'll even go in the top five. It'll be a moot point. <laughs> right. No, that very well could happen. Uh, all right, let's get to what the Vikings should do that 23rd pick. Uh, first, though, let's thank our sponsors, White Bear Lake Superstore, whitebearlakesuperstore.com. Yeah, thanks, Jim. Always excited to talk about the White Bear Lake Superstore, Buick GMC, my longtime friend, owner Paul Rubin, his general manager, Charlie Gutrell, their fantastic staff. Minnesota's number one volume Buick GMC dealer, six years running with the best selection and their super friendly premium team. Check out their great website, whitebearlakesuperstore.com, and you will find 0.9% APR for five years on 2022 GMC Sierra 1500 crew cab models, 3.9% APR for five years plus a $750 purchase allowance on 2023 Buick Encore GXs, 1.9% APR plus a $750 purchase allowance on 2022 and 2023 GMC Terrains, 
plus no monthly payments for 90 days on these great vehicles. The White Bear Lake Superstore is a used HD truck headquarters, and they are a Quigley 4x4 van superstore. White Bear Lake Superstore, Buick GMC is a certified elite dealer. Only 7% of GM dealers make the cut. So visit in person at 3900 Highway 61 North in White Bear Lake or online at whitebearlakesuperstore.com for all your vehicle needs and the premium experience. Buick GMC, we are professional grade. So 23rd pick in the draft, only five picks total. You know, logic would dictate that they're gonna they would want to trade down, accumulate more picks. The problem is, the conventional wisdom is this is about a 40-person deep draft in terms of top prospects. So you don't want to trade down too far. I could see them wiggling around. Maybe trade, you know, if somebody really wants that 23rd pick, maybe backing up a few spots and getting an extra pick. I don't see them trading way down. And man, as much as the, you know, the Richardson thing is intriguing. It's it's tough to trade up when you only have five picks. Yeah, definitely true. And uh, unless you can package a, a Dalvin Cook or a Darius right. there, but it, it's it's usually on, on draft night. It's picks for picks that are being picked are being traded. So I think yeah, it's, it's going to be tough to move up. It's I think if they move down a little bit, as you said, I could see that happening. Maybe dropping from twenty three to twenty six or twenty seven. I don't see them going out of the first round. Even last year, as we recall, they they dropped down significantly and took Lewisine. Uh, I think it was the last pick in the in the first round. I don't see them dropping that far this year. I think that they they need a corner. They're counting on certainly Andrew Booth Jr. and a Caleb Evans to come back from injuries, but. I'm not sure that they trust Booth yet to stay healthy. He didn't stay healthy in college all the way through. And, and then last year, the same thing happened. He's always got something wrong with him. And that's, that's a scary thing to count on a guy like that. And meanwhile, a bunch of their other corners have left in free agency, like Peterson and Chris Boyd and Shannon Sullivan. They haven't resigned, which I don't think they will. Uh, they've added Byron Murphy Jr., who I think will – step in but again he's coming off an injury too they've got to get a corner or i would say get two corners in this draft and it's a good corner draft so they would be drafting to the strength of the draft with guys like joey porter jr devin witherspoon christian gonzalez kelly ringo out of georgia deontay banks out of michigan a a lot of these guys out of the big 10 certainly so there's some really good prospects i expect them to go that route unless they mildly surprise us and, and go quarterback. I think that would be the only other pick they would go in the first round. Some people have projected wide receiver. I don't really see that in the first round, even though there are some good guys like Jordan Addison of USC and Zay Flowers of Boston College. They could go that route, uh, the Ohio State receiver. But I think it's more likely that it's a, it's a corner and maybe a flyer on, on a quarterback. And, and don't discount the possibility of a defensive tackle. They lost Dalvin Tomlinson in free agency, and they have a potential need on that interior defensive line too, which could certainly help them if it's a, a guy who can put some pressure on the quarterback. Again, corner would be number one on my list, but we shall see if Kwesi agrees. <laughs> And that's the X factor here is Quezzy did all kinds of things that surprised us and all kinds of NFL analysts and even NFL insiders last year, trading down, uh, drafting a safety, 
you know, trading within the division, giving the Lions a shot at a really talented receiver, although he hasn't really done much yet. Um, you know, so we, we really don't know what Quezzy's going to do. Here's my, my question for you as a formal gen- general manager. How, how important is that third re- wide receiver spot for the Vikings? What kind of a priority is? Because it's very clear pecking order here. Jefferson's yeah. great. Uh, KJ Osborne is a good young rising player, and Hawkinson is one of your three most important receivers. How important is that third wide receiver position? Yeah, it's interesting because I, I was actually talking with my IFA agent group guys yesterday about the Thielen situation and what happened there, and 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 part of the part of the thinking on Adams' part and, and our part in the agent firm was that. Adams' targets had fallen, and not only his targets, but the quality of his targets had had fallen because of Jefferson, because of Osborne, because and, and then Hawkinson came in. Yep. So that was a big part of Adams' thinking in making the move to Carolina, where he would be a, a bigger option in the offense, and and perhaps step in to a team that would have a theoretically the best quarterback in this draft, if that's if that's indeed Bryce Young, which which. I would anticipate. And so how important is the almost the fourth target in the Vikings offense? And, and maybe, maybe I don't know that I trust Jalen Rager to do that. Maybe they like Jalen Naylor, the, the guy they drafted last year in the later rounds, but I, I think they're still going to pick a guy. And I would guess it maybe with that third round pick, perhaps that uh, it is a guy that, that could step into that role and, and, because the third receiver is still important in this offense because O'Connell wants to use more of a base three receiver offense. So yeah, I think it's still interesting and getting back to the whole thing about the first round too, Jim, that I've always believed and and it was always our philosophy in the, in the Vikings draft room back in the day with Jerry Rykow and Frank Gilliam uh, and myself working in, in those drafts when we drafted Randy Moss, uh, and this is the 25th anniversary of that draft, and we can, we're going to talk about him in a second, but just the fact of picking the, the best player available regardless of position in the draft, especially in the first round, unless it's a quarterback and you think you've got a franchise quarterback, and I'm not sure the Vikings think they do, but getting back to the Moss draft on this point, when, when we were in the first round back in 1998, 25 years ago this week, it was just, we, we never thought that he would fall to us at, at 21 in the first round. We were a playoff team already. But as he got past Dallas at eight, and we had him rated as the top five pick in the draft. But of course, there were the character questions going back to, to a bad fight he had in high school where he was defending a friend. And that caused Notre Dame to revoke his scholarship offer. Then he signs with Florida State, gets kicked out after allegedly failing a drug test, and ends up at that smaller school. Marshall has a fantastic career there, but there's questions about his quality of competition. There's questions about his character. But, of course, he knocked it out of the park in his pro day, didn't show up at the combine, which rubbed some some of the teams the wrong way. And I was talking with, with the our scout Conrad Cardano, who was really the guy that, that helped sell us on Randy being okay and, and will overcome the character questions because Conrad was one of our lead scouts and he had worked with Bob Pruitt and the Marshall coaches in the past. 
and was very close with them, and they convinced him that Randy was not going to be a problem off the field, uh, and that he had not been at Marshall. So as we went through that process, and he starts falling in the first round, and it got closer, and then all of a sudden Tennessee, my future team, picks Kevin Dyson at number 16, and wow. whoa, we thought, okay, this could really happen. And then we got about one pick away. And we, and we were thinking defense, Jim, at that time, it, as you may remember, yep. because we had a dominant offense already, and we had Chris Carter and Jake Reed, two great receivers. But the thought of Randy Moss stepping in as a third receiver in that group, which ultimately put our offense into record-breaking mode in that 15-1 season. But then we started thinking, wow, this could happen. And that was the most intense conversation in a draft room that I ever had as a GM or as a team president as we talked through the, the pluses and minuses of Randy Moss. But ultimately, the talent, as I said, the best player available, he was so clearly the best player available at that point in the draft that we just had to go that direction. And at, at that point, Danny Green and I got Chris Carter on the phone and said, Chris, if we draft Randy Moss, will you help mentor him? Because Chris had had some issues in his past with substance abuse in Philadelphia and had overcome all that. And Chris said, absolutely. He knew what kind of talent he was and knew what, what he could do for our offense. And, and Chris did a great job with Randy that first year as his mentor. But it was a really tough negotiation for me, Jim, because I was demanding very stringent give back on signing bonus in that contract. If Randy got suspended or arrested and, and his agents wanted him to be paid like a top 10 pick, which of course I couldn't do because of the, of the rookie of the rookie pool and the salary cap. So it was one of my tougher negotiations to it as a GM, but that rookie year, what a phenomenal year, 17 touchdown receptions, the, the fantastic game in Lambeau where we broke green Bay's home winning streak, 25 games and, Moss was unbelievable. Then in Dallas, of course, his revenge game against the Cowboys, who he thought told them he, they were going to draft him, but they were scared off because all of their past character problems. And then he goes for, I think, three catches, 163 yards, and they were all 50-yard-plus touchdowns on Thanksgiving Day. Those were some of my favorite memories of, of any draft and of Randy Moss in particular. And okay. the interesting thing, too, Jim, kind of the aftermath when I called Randy, and I, I may have told you this story in the past, when I called Randy to congratulate him, I think it was four or five years ago when he got into the Pro Football Hall of Fame, and he says to me, hey, Jeff, you remember that clause in that rookie contract about, <laughs> about give back a signing bonus? He said, I told you you'd never have to have to take up on that clause and, and get money from me on that. And I said, hey, Randy, I'm glad that never happened, and I can't believe you remember it 20 years later. <laughs> Athletes never forget. Man, they remember every perceived slight. Uh, it's amazing. Uh, hey, that was that was one of the great draft picks in NFL history. I, I have a couple of quick quick. You reminded me of a couple of things. Number one, I'm sitting in green, in the press box at Lambeau Field that Monday night game where Moss went nuts his first uh, trip to Lambeau, and uh, Ricey, you know, referring to the fight that you know might have caused Randy to slip in the draft, turns to me and goes, "My God, he must have kicked kicked the crap out of that kid to slide this far." Uh, that was a classic Royce. And the other memory, uh, you, you mentioned Frank Gilliam. Uh, I don't know if we've mentioned that. Uh, you, you you did a show without me a couple weeks ago when I was on vacation. But uh, Frank Gilliam passing, uh, I just wanted to, to offer my memory. You, of course, worked very closely with him. Uh, 
great scout, great executive for the Vikings, and one of the many people who, when I started covering the Vikings in the early 90s, uh, was just fantastic resource. Just a great person to talk to, tell stories, uh, offer insights. You know, he and Jerry Reichow were so generous with their time and their insights, as were you. So uh, my condolences to everyone who, Frank, and and uh, I hope everyone understands just how great he was. Yeah, definitely. And, and we did talk about Frank uh, when you were gone, but, but certainly um, condolences to, to his family and a, a great friend and great colleague for, for many years. And, and really one of the top personnel people of, of all time in the NFL. And he and Jerry were working so well in sync with our personnel people to help build all those playoff teams. And Scott Sedwell, who came in later with those guys, uh, we, we had a terrific personnel department in those years and, and a big part of, of building all those playoff teams that we had for so, so many years. No doubt about it. All right, uh, let's hit on one more topic here for today. Next week, we'll be talking about the draft, of course. A uh, reminder, uh, we have the Chin Music Show at TalkNorth.com. That's uh, Roy Smalley, Lavelle Neal, and myself uh, talking about a very intriguing Twins team and season. We have uh, John Millay's Prep Show. We have John, the John Krasinski Show on the Wolves. We have the Viking Update Show. Gives us two strong Viking presences, as this team is always interesting. Uh, for today, what what's the uh, what's your... Let, let's ask this. Uh, again, Pro Football Talk throws out the, the the reporting or the speculation that the Vikings and the 49ers have talked about Trey Lance. I don't see that as a real likelihood. What do you think? Yeah, Trey Lance is an interesting guy. Um, and out of a, a local state state yep. native. And, and, of course, the 49ers traded up for him. Uh, two years ago and gave up a lot of picks to, to move up to number three to pick Trey Lance. And then he's been hurt and, and sat for a year. And now, now they've got Brock Purdy sitting there. They signed Sam Darnold. So there's a lot of speculation that he could be on the market <clears throat> and San Francisco. Uh, yeah, it, it's a possibility. I could see them possibly trading Trey Lance. I don't know that he would be coming here necessarily. It, it'll just depend on what kind of rating the Vikings had on him coming out in that 2021 draft if they had a really high rating. But again, a lot of those people are gone and, and perhaps what kind of rating the other Viking scouts that are new here, including Quasi had had on him and including O'Connell, who always says he spent a lot of time breaking down quarterbacks. He would have a major impact on, on a decision such as that. So Trey Lance, very unproven at this point, and would San Francisco move him? I think they'd want a significant pick for him. And they probably can't get a first, but maybe they'd want a second. The Vikings don't have a second. So it's, it's a possibility. I don't think it's a probability at this point. I think that they would look more to the draft and try to, to draft a guy that they could get on that rookie contract that is so valuable to a team if they get the right guy who develops quickly, such as, Russell Wilson did in Seattle or Mahomes did in Kansas City or Burrow in Cincinnati or Jalen Philadelphia. Yeah. When you've got that guy on that rookie contract who's a big-time player, it is so valuable because you can build a, such a strong team around him. So I, I'm not sure Trey Lance is the answer because he'll be – his salary is starting to, to rise as he goes into his third year, fourth year. I think they'd rather get a guy – on his first and second year starting out, but Hey, never say never. And I think that he definitely 
is a possibility to be moved by San Francisco. So we shall see another another level of intrigue in this draft. And and before we sign off, Jim, I also want to pay tribute to Dennis Ryan, the Vikings. Oh, lock. thank you. Yes, I'm glad you brought him up. One of the great, great guys in the business and great friend. I think it was 47 years he worked for the Vikings. I remember him coming in at Midway Stadium back in the old days with Stubby Eason. He was still in high school, and Dennis is still there this day. Took over for Stubby when Stubby passed passed away. Dennis was, I think, 21 when he got the job, and he's been there forever and always did a fantastic job. Great person, great, great friendly personality, and and really happy for him for the great career he has and and now retiring. So, uh, congrats to him on a fantastic career. He might have been the second person I met when I came here to moved here from Dallas to cover the Vikings in 1990. I'm sure Merrill Swanson was the first, uh, but I remember going down to the locker room and back then things were much more loose. I ended up uh, in the back room in the equipment room, just chatting with Dennis Ryan. Uh, and as you said, uh, what a great career. Uh, and I, I said it in a tweet earlier, uh, you know, he, he was the kind of, nobody worked harder and nobody was trusted more in that organization. No, absolutely. And, and so we wish wish him all the best in his retirement, for sure. Great stuff, Jeff. I'm looking forward to next week. It's a fascinating time of year, as it always is. Uh, thanks to everyone for listening to TalkNork.com. We'll talk to you soon.